This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, yes, it's another episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself, Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, good to talk to you, man. How are you doing? Good morning, man. I am uh, I'm apparently doing a bit better than you are because you are in the heart of Texas where it is uh, barely above zero. So uh, hating that for you and uh, hope you make it through the... the uh, what do they call it? The polar vortex. Uh, hate yeah. that for you. We are thinking about you. We are stuck just directly in the middle of this polar vortex thing, whatever we're calling it. Uh, you know, we're not accustomed to dealing with this sort of thing in Texas, Greg. We're we're, we're on the struggle bus. Well, that's uh, part of part of living in the South is when we get a dose of North, we realize why we're in the South. So I, uh, I total, totally understand that. Well, you know, I think, I think, and this is the last thing I'll say about this because we, we're digressing big time, but I, I do think that you grow accustomed to the place where you have been for a certain amount of time. So like I can deal with the Texas summers, right? 105, you know, just give me a cold beer and a swimming pool and we're, we're good. But it's, it's when you get that dose of, of Northern weather that you're like, oh man, how do people live like this? But I would imagine it's much the same if you come from you know, I don't know, Montana or whatever, and come down to Texas during the summertime, it's going to be a shock to the system. Yeah, no doubt. I think we acclimate, you know, with temperature, just like we acclimate with people. So I'm uh, definitely Ooh, a good segue. That's a hey, very good segue. It, well, you know, I'm a trained professional. It's true. No. <laughs> it's true. Well, I think, I think we should introduce our guest today, Greg. Introduce uh, Adrian to us. Well, Adrian is a, has become a friend of mine who I met through a, a really, really cool nonprofit that um, I'm aware of and have supported in the past. So, uh, Adrian, why don't you tell us about you, what you do and why you do it and where you do it? Sure. Thank you. Well, my name is Adrian Craighead and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am the director of financial development for a nonprofit called Aparo. And APARO is spelled A-P-P-A-R-O. It's just Latin that means to assist. And APARO is a nonprofit that exists to serve other nonprofits. We are the technology uh, guidance trainers and tool providers for nonprofits throughout our community who struggle to do more with less. And so through technology, we can help fuel them to do more good in the world with the same amount of donors, the same amount of volunteers, the same amount of, you know, dollars and staff members because of technology. Isn't it through technology that you became introduced to Aparo, Greg? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's kind of a cool winding story. So I won't, I won't go too deep with it, but a friend of mine, Brian Suska, uh, was active or is active in Aparo. And then a, a friend named Kevin O'Rourke, is active and then Kevin winds up becoming the CIO for Service Logic, the company that um, keeps bread on my table. So it's just kind of a winding little valley and, and, and how I got to become associated with Aparo. But I just think it's such a cool group that, you know, you're always looking for ways to help a community. And when you can lend your skills, uh, to help a cause it's even cooler because it's not like you know like but let's say that you you work at a bank and you do a habitat for humanity day and you have a bank teller trying to figure out how to hang drywall 
um, which I totally, you know, I think that's awesome. And I love the efforts of, of, uh, of the, all of those groups. But when you can, if you're an IT professional and you can help another nonprofit with your IT skills, uh, it's just even cooler. So great, great organization. So glad you're here today. We, we talked a while back and, you know, I was thinking, wow, Adrian would be really cool to have on the podcast just to talk about, you know, your your world revolves around relationships, I would suspect, given the fact that you're, you know, always trying to connect with people uh, for either participation or donation or, or understanding of what your, your methods and madness are. Is that Would that be accurate? Yes. I think that relationships should be, if they're not already, um, at the heart of every individual's personal and professional path. But it's especially true in the world of nonprofits um, because everybody that we encounter um, has a way to impact our world. And so I was kind of thinking as I was preparing for this podcast, you know, how do I prioritize the relationships in my world? Um, because there's so many stakeholders that are involved with this nonprofit. And okay, I you stop right there, Adrian. You got to stop for just a moment, <laughs> Tyler. Yes. She said preparing for this podcast. <laughs> She's the first. So, I, I mean, good God, we're getting good. All right. Sorry, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, yeah, because you guys, when you bookmark straight out of Crumpton in Spotify, I mean, there is a, a really nice roll call of some exceptional shows here. And so I, I got to, you know. Bring bring the fire. She stepped up wow, her game. Thank you so much for prepping. <laughs> but um, as I get back to that, that I'm because I'm curious to see how you guys prioritize your relationships. But when I started with Aparo, which was back in March of 2020, in in COVID years, that's like you know, a hundred years ago. Uh, March of 2020 is when I started. It was the first day that we all went to start working remote. And I never have been in the office at any given day with, with all of my coworkers. Wow. And I made a decision to, you know, prioritize my teammates first, getting to know them, getting to, you know, earn their trust, um, learn their objectives. What is each one trying to accomplish? And where can I assist them? Um, and then after teammates, you know, comes the, the board. And then after that, starts to become our sponsors, and our donors, and our volunteers, and the list goes on and on and on. But um, it was, you know, difficult to decide where to focus and invest time first, because there's so many relationships I needed to build as a newcomer. And in a COVID world, you guys can imagine, it's been a really surreal experience. Yeah, I'm sure. And I just want to congratulate you also on the fact that you won the world's record. Um, we track how long it takes people to say trust in our conversation. And you came out of the gate strong. So I know you did your preparation. So congratulations wow. on being the award winner. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> most, most people make it at least to the second segment, but you, you just came out strong. So, so important that word. And I love, I love how you describe your, your methodology of, okay, I can't go in the office and have a cup of coffee or go to lunch with my new teammates. So what do I do? So you wanted to work on that. I think that's really cool. And then, you know, you, you 
set up the the board and then as you said the donors and partners and what have you which is where you and i connected i believe was on step three and um no i think that's just really cool and and i'm not sure adrian that i have ever sat back and and prioritized uh intentionally my relationships but i'm sure i have uh based upon you know, the, the, whatever situation I was going through. What, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about that thought process where I can kind of be understanding better. Sure. So we all experienced COVID at the same time and we all recognized pretty quickly that we were going to be relegated to building relationships through a screen. And I think that because we all value relationships, we know when you share air with someone, when you actually are physically in the same space with someone, you have extra tools at your disposal for building trust and, and you can read their energy and you can read their body language. And so recognizing that I was going to need to start and nurture and build relationships 100% through a screen, I mean, a lot of times it's one-on-one. I mean, you can't have four and six and eight people on a call at the same time, but it's, it's difficult to build meaningful relationships that way. Then I started to recognize there's only so many hours in the day and where where can I focus my time and energy? And with the support of my boss, Kim Lanfear, the CEO of Aparo, she said, I think that your instincts to start with the, the staff, the team are yeah. right on target. And then after that, branch out and be intentional, Adrian, reach out to the board members and get you know, one-on-one Zoom calls booked and then be intentional and reach out to the sponsors and the donors and the volunteers. And so I had to be more strategic starting this job than I've ever had to be with any professional, um, you know, stopping point in my career with making sure that I was scheduling quality time with, with key people and starting again with the staff. So have you guys experienced anything kind of along these lines? Well, I was going to say from the re- being a recipient from your invite. Um, I tried to blow you off, you know, like, like I don't want to really divulge my feelings, you know, about stuff. I don't know. I've been, I was just, it was funny because uh, yesterday, Connie, my wife and I celebrated our 35th birthday. I'm sorry, 35th anniversary. <laughs> wedding and wedding uh, birthday. I don't, I don't know how that just Freudian slip popped there. But anyway, um, so at dinner last night, we were quizzing each other on stuff, you know, over the last 35 years or so. And it was funny that um, some of the, the the things that I thought I would really not know, I, I was remembering. And um, then some of the things I thought she would never remember, we remembered. But it's weird because a lot of them took place in settings where we were working through relationships or meeting new people or what have you. So I just thought that was kind of a little... Uh, a funky little twist there on it. So Adrian, I can tell you as being the recipient of, of your message. And as I said while ago, I tried to, you know, like blow the thing off a little bit, but um, once, you know, I think he booked us for an hour and I'm like, Jesus, Louise, I don't want to talk on the phone for an hour. And then, to a stranger, <laughs> to a stranger who I'd never met before. And I think we wound up going like an hour and 10, uh, 
on, on our initial call because we started having fun and we, uh, I was just enjoying talking to you and learning about your journey there at, at uh, Aparo. And, and I just want to throw a big shout to Kim because she is your boss and the CEO, but a superhuman uh, in, yeah. in what she does for the group and what, you know, just being a nice person. So I really enjoy the times I've had interacted with her, but your, um, your intentional effort was really cool. And it really reminded me, and I don't know if I told you about this or not when we were talking, but years and years ago, I was, um, as an owner of a company, uh, we were being recruited to join a peer group, uh, a, a organization, uh, organization of similar size air conditioning type contractors. And, um, this lady who was doing the recruiting, her name, her name then was Kristen Compton. Um, she sent me a FedEx letter and this was, you know, 20 years ago and getting that was something, you know, cool. Um, and it said, Hey, you know, here's the information about the group. Here's the time and date that I'd like to call you. Please email me and let me know if that would work. And I thought, now that is a great way to get in front of somebody by being intentional about a time, a date, and a topic without, you know, like interfering with their daily deal. Because, if you, I mean, to this day, if you get something in the mail or FedEx package or Amazon delivery, whatever, you kind of, you know, you want to see what's in the box. But I just no really doubt. thought that that the way Kristen did that and then the way you reached out to me really grab the attention right off. So kudos to you for doing that. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I think that the um, background story is relevant to the listeners here. Greg was somehow signed up for a committee and he wasn't showing up for committee meetings. And it was maybe two months in and I said, Greg, I just want to get to know you. And you said, yeah, Adrian, I'm, I'm not going to be on this committee. I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm happy to help and I can lend you my ear and some advice and guidance, but I'm, I'm really more of a one-on-one -on -one guy. I'm not, I'm not going to be showing up to these committee meetings. And I just appreciated that honesty so much. And um, I think it also kind of gave us, you know, some, some kind of interesting and, and good, rich common ground to, uh, to build a relationship on, you know, we laughed well, about that. Well, I, I've learned from Tyler over the year that uh, you really have to be, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to throw Tyler under the bus. I, <laughs> I have uh, learned over my my 56 years that I I really just I know what I like now and I know what I don't like and I just want to be able to help people or or, an, or a cause or an effort in the right way and getting on the you know it's like riding down the rapids on a boat that handles 20 people as opposed to a boat that handles four i'd rather be in the four-man raft than the 20 um mm. just because it's a little more one-on-one -on -one and, and i just feel like there's more influence to be had uh when you can keep it a little bit tighter circle and as my 35 year old or 35 anniversary bride will tell you um you know, being direct and blunt are probably some of my best points and some of my worst, uh, depending on what time they come out. So, um, it just, it is what it is. So, um, I just felt like that's yeah. the best way to help. 
So enjoyed it. Enjoyed the conversation for sure. Well, and one of the things we started to dip our toe into, and we said, you know what, let's put a thumbtack in that and come back and circle around to that exact topic when we when we do this podcast. It was about what are ways we can be intentional about building a relationship and, and what are some of the, the best strategies? And I think it always depends, of course, on what's your motive for building the relationship in the first place. And if, um, you know, you're coming at it from a business perspective or a personal perspective, and if it's an altruistic perspective, or sometimes people build them for selfish perspectives, they, they probably always embrace different tactics depending on what, what their motivation is. Now, that's a great point. Um, you know, there's a million different ways to think about that. I, I try my best, and, and I don't know how effective it is. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I always try to look at how I can help people. And, and am I doing something that helps the cause or the effort or the person? Because I, I've been a lucky guy. I mean, I, I get to do every day what I like to do in my life, which is, you know, be involved in the air conditioning industry, which is like really weird for some people to hear that, I'm sure. Like some people are saving babies and, you know, doing all kind of heroic stuff. And, you know, I my, my juices get churned on air conditioning, but that's just how I got built. So if, if I can help people, uh, I, I just feel like then I'm at least starting on the right foot. Now I may screw it up because I usually do a lot of stuff, but I try to start out on that foot. You're so humble. Well, I think that one thing that spells that out really clearly is like, I went to LinkedIn to sort of say, Hmm, who am I dealing with here? Who is this Greg Crumpton fellow? Who's been a longtime supporter and advocate for Aparo and what's he all about? And your first sentence on your profile and LinkedIn sums you up so perfectly, but it says, my personal and professional goals are to serve the people that I'm working with and working for. And I carry this mantra in my professional life and my home life. And I thought right away, I like this guy. I like him already. And I haven't even met him. So well, we, um, yeah, gosh, we share it, that. It, in common. it, it sounds, it, it sounds kind of cheesy when, when you hear it like that, um, because I never really thought about how it would sound. I like how it read, but there, there's a, a guy, and actually Teddy Burris, uh, Teddy B-U-R-R-I-S, and he's been on our podcast before. Um, I hired Teddy a couple of years ago to help our company, companies, plural, um, learn how to use LinkedIn better. And, you know, like when, I mean, I don't know how many trillion people are on LinkedIn now, but dang near everybody. But Teddy's goal is, you know, his job and how he makes a living is helping people get better at using LinkedIn and the proper or the best way for them. And one thing I remember in, in his opening uh, dialogue about LinkedIn to our, to, we had, I don't know, 40 people listening in on this webinar. Um, well, it was a webinar, so it must have been during COVID. Like you said, it's been 27 dog years of COVID. <laughs> um, 380 days turns into 27 years. But um, So Teddy was really cool because he said, people don't care what your title is. You know, like if, if that's how you start out your, your message of, of 
how you get paid, it, it may not be reflective of who you truly are. So think about what you are and what you do uh, as opposed to just, you know, a product manager. Like instead of product manager, maybe you say I make products better, you know. Um, I don't know. It was just a, a moment. And um, I just thought about, well, what, what does Crumpton do? And, and that's what I wrote. So I appreciate the words. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, you know, and another technique I think you probably don't notice you're using, but it's so absolutely um, engaging. And so I, I try to use this is, is humor. I think that people want to enjoy life and smile and have some laughs and have some fun, even in the workday. And so if I can leave a voice message or send an email with just a sort of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of, um, you know, a little bit of fun and then I think that it sort of breaks through the clutter of maybe a hundred other emails they've gotten that day of like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm going to respond to Adrian's email. I'm, I'm going to call this girl, call this girl back. Well, that's funny you said it because uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, who is a Charlotte guy, a very well-known uh, author and a friend, uh, he, one of his ways that he says to connect with people and one of his taglines is if you can make them laugh, they will want to buy. And mm -hmm. I just think that that's, I don't know. I, I like to think that I'm a funny guy. I, no one really appreciates my humor quite as much as I do, but I really <laughs> do enjoy it. But, you know, the other day I was watching this thing on LinkedIn where this boring machine comes through the wall. And I think it was the French tunnel, if I remember right. And this, I mean, big, massive, boring bits, like 20, you know, 24 feet in diameter comes boring through this wall. And mm. they, they were showing a little video of it. And my reply to it was, this video is very boring. And um, <laughs> which was and Adrian, you mentioned in our preamble uh, before we hit record that we we're talking about Elon Musk and mm -hmm, the, uh, the name of his company, the boring company. I'm like, how funny is that? And uh, love it. But this really sarcastic guy who I love to death, who I've, I haven't seen in a long time, but I used to work for him. He was a customer. Um, Ed Trammell replied back that he liked my comments. So I knew that it was hitting my right audience if Ed liked it because that's who it was meant for. But yeah, yes. I, I totally agree with you. I think that we can get caught up in all the, the, the politically correctness and, you know, everyone right now seems to be hypersensitive about stepping on everybody else's hypersensitive damn toes. So mm -hmm. I think if you can lend a little bit of levity to a situation, it goes a long way. Amen. Or, Amen. Or so, at least that's what that guy, Chris, on the, that was the Bachelor host says. So I digress. Oh, the host of The Bachelor. So I teach my kids this formula, and I wonder if you guys will recognize you know, yourselves in this because you both, you both qualify for, for Section 3. But I always taught my kids, who are now teenagers that there's kind of three levels of humor and I always kind of get to find out what level I'm dealing with pretty early on in a conversation when I drop some really dry jokes to see how that other person responds. And so I'll give you an example. Um, 
if I'm at a networking event back back in the days when we could network and somebody would say, oh, well, I'm an engineer. And I would love to like lay this one liner and I'm like, oh, an engineer. I just love trains. (laughs) So level one humor is where the person says, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean trains. I'm actually a so they didn't get it all that I was joking. They just simply went right to, to the obvious. And that's kind of like level one humor. And I realized but, there's a but lot of they're engineers like for a reason. That's they're analytical. They're left, left brain, logical. And they're like, oh, no, no, I don't mean trains. And then there's level two where they kind of chuckle and they, yeah, okay, I get you. I see you. Because I've got a, you know, a twinkle in my eye and a mischievous look on my face when I'm saying it just to sort of read them. But then level three is where they take it and they run with it. And they're like, all right. And I have this little monkey and he sits on my shoulder and we both wear the same bandana. And, you know, they take it and roll. And that's my favorite kind of, um, you know, personality is when they get the humor immediately and take it to that next level. So I'm always on the lookout for that. You know, I love dry humor. And um, I don't we were were talking again last night at dinner, uh, reminiscing. And there was a, a TV show years ago called the Carol Burnett show. And, Mm -hmm. uh, there were two male comedians on there, uh, Harvey Corman or Gorman, I can't recall. And Tim Conway and then Carol Burnett. And then another lady who I think she looked like Carol Burnett, if I remember right. And, um, they would do the funniest skits. Now it was a, like a little bit of innuendo. It was clean, but there were innuendo uh, There was innuendo in it. But these people, while they were doing these skits, were just about to burst out laughing at any moment. So we enjoy watching the old Carol Burnett skits where they were laughing at themselves <laughs> while they're trying to record it. And to me, that's just the, the, the best kind of humor. And then, of course, my favorite comedian, a guy named Stephen Wright. Oh, and yes. I, I don't know if you guys know who he is. But if you're listening to this and have never listened to Stephen Wright, it's W-R-I-G-H-T. The guy is the most, I mean, he makes sheetrock look wet. He's so dry. So, <laughs> so One of his best one-liners. Can I just lay it on you? Is it Stephen the, Wright. taking the dog for a walk? No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I want to hear that one next. But he says, yeah, I, I collect seashells. I have a really large collection. Perhaps you've seen them scattered on beaches around the world. (laughs) (laughs) That is a classic. But yeah, if you get a chance, check him out. But that's my kind of humor. Like, I I don't like, you know, the the nasty stuff uh, that gets a little raunchy. Now, Red Fox back in the day was dirty enough, but then you moved on to Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy type humor, which was a little bit, I mean, even for me, which I'm not a prude, but yeah. the older I get, the less I like that. But, it yeah. takes more cleverness. Like it takes more intelligence to, to be truly witty without all the, you know, blue humor, I think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But Tyler, are you, are you familiar with Stephen Wright at your ripe old age? I am, but not, okay. not clearly not as familiar as the two of you are. <laughs> well, see, Adrian says she has teenage kids, so she is of the age where she probably saw Stephen Wright on Saturday Night Live one time. So, yes, yes. 
Anyway, all right. I told you we would head down some kind of crazy rabbit hole. So let's pull it back out and by the feet and um, get back on track. Now I've got no, this, no, I- this, this crazy, you know, skit running through my whole head right now, which about is about humor. But all right, Tyler, you've heard about Aparo. I never knew what the Latin meaning. I didn't know it was Latin. Uh, shame on me. But um, what what is that? What, so you've heard just enough about Aparo. What does that sound like to you with, with the description that we both gave of it? I'm curious of how that message came across. So what what's what's interesting to me and what stands out is that I think we all you know, we all think of of nonprofits as doing incredible work, you know, in in so many different areas, and we can all think of amazing nonprofits that uh, that we're all involved in or that we've we've heard of and that sort of thing. But you don't often think, I suppose, of the the companies that are enabling them to do those incredible things, and and I wonder. Adrian, just from your perspective, has this been a particularly challenging time for people given that um, I, I would assume that for, for nonprofits especially that people often give out of the excess of what they have and, and maybe people are pinching pennies a little bit more these days. I, I just wonder how things have been for you guys and what that's uh, what that's been like kind of throughout this time. Sure. So because we're a nonprofit, like you said, that serves other nonprofits, the demand for our services has gone through the roof with COVID. And the revenue model for how does Aparo actually generate the income to pay our staff, pay our light bill, you know, keep, keep our Wi-Fi running strong. We generate it with about 75% of our dollars coming from sponsors And then the other 25% is split up with about 15% of our dollars comes from grants and organizations who who fund APARO because of their corporate social responsibility missions. And then the last 10% is through individual donors who say this work is important and it's meaningful to me. Um, So the demand has been through the roof. Um, A lot of our sponsorship money is kind of on hold. It's a little slower than usual. It's because organizations who sponsor Aparo aren't spending dollars because they're wanting to do a good deed. Instead, they're spending their marketing and sales and regional development dollars to gain access to IT leaders and decision makers in our community. It's a really unique model that doesn't exist in most nonprofits around the world where you have a company that would write a check and say, here is $10,000 or $20,000. I want to come to your big gala because I know that there's future customers for me there. Oh, by the way, you're raising money for a good cause. That's awesome. But I would have sponsored you anyway. I would have, you know, I would have gone to a golf tournament. I would have um, bought a membership to an uh, association because my goal here today is to sell something to these tech leaders and decision makers. So we're fortunate that Aparo does work that does appeal to these tech leaders and decision makers. And as advocates for our organization, they willingly raise their hand and say, okay, I understand I'm kind of shark bait today. I am, you know, there's vendors and and software companies and platforms circling in the waters, you know, cold call, cold call, cold call. They, they, They can't really get my attention, but I will give you an hour of time to Aparo and the sponsors that have written you checks to come to your annual gala, it's now virtual. They can't meet me there. 
So I will instead give you calendar time and let um, these folks make their cold calls. And, I, and I'll listen with open ears and an open heart to see if there's anything there that may be of value to my organization. So that little bit, um, I think, is, is eye-opening for a lot of people who listen and think, wow, that's a different kind of way to fund a nonprofit. Um, so I'll pause there and see, does that surprise you, Tyler? Yeah, a little bit. Like I, I like you said, I'd never heard of um, of anybody doing that, but that is particularly fascinating. And and I think again, kind of brings us back to our our primary topic of uh, doesn't that almost even even more highlight the the need and the ability to to build and grow these relationships and and to have that trust there. You, Amen. You know what? Uh, while while you're ta- while you were just describing that, Tyler, I was thinking about what you said. Um, most people traditionally give of what they have excess of. And for some people, it's cash. Some people, it's time. Some people, it's product. There's a company, and I think that there are Paro partners. It's called Restore Global. And mm-hmm. he, um, he's going to be one of our guests too, Tyler, by the way. I just wrote his name down. Stephen Ray, W R A Y. Mm-hmm. It seems like everything starts with W that I'm quoting this morning. <laughs> but um, Stephen runs a company or, or a, a organization, nonprofit, Restore Global, and it's the weirdest thing that he does. And when he described it to me the first time, it was like, "Holy crap! I never thought about that." But it came to light for me. Um, during or, or right after Hurricane Sandy hit the Northeast. And I met Stephen through, you, you know, uh, two of our people we've had as guests, Howie and Beth Barber. And um, part of our, I think you may remember, we were talking about doing the, um, the Take a Slice Out of Cancer fundraiser. And uh, I met Stephen through Howie and Beth at one of those events, best I recall. But nonetheless, um, I got connected with Stephen, and we were talking, and um, I said, "Give what?" Well, like I just couldn't grasp what they did. He said, "Okay, here's an example. Um, let's say that uh, ABC Shovel Company—I won't name the name because it might be embarrassing—but when Hurricane Sandy hit, they donated like ten thousand shovels to help remove the sand, uh, you know, that had." washed up and um but the what happened was that they were round shovels not the square shovels like you need to move sand with so Stephen, uh what they do they will take those ten thousand shovels from xyz company and then repurpose them throughout the uh world to people who need shovels maybe it's a missionary trip that's going to Africa to dig wells. I mean, who knows where, where this stuff winds up, but they take excess product and find a home for it uh, rather than it sit in some warehouse and rot. Um, but I, so anyway, Stephen, uh, we'll, we'll have him on and talk about it, but that's the kind of stuff that we don't think about nonprofits doing because like you said, you know, you think about, Humane Society of Charlotte, which is uh, I've been part of forever, um, and you know they place animals. That's their job is to find homes for these animals best they can when appropriate. 
we, you kind of know what they do. So you know what they need. But if you're working with a, you know, say a, a, a nonprofit whose their mission is to take care of single mothers who have to go to work and have, you know, three kids, you don't think about all the support pieces needed for that nonprofit. And to me, that's where Aparo uh, and, and Restore and people like that, but you know, like they're behind the scenes making the nonprofits uh, or helping them function better. It's just a cool concept. It, 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 to me, that's total servant mentality. You know, that's what that's built upon. So I know that was a long rant, but. <laughs> well, and so when I'm getting involved in um, storytelling to the community about Aparo, a lot of people in the tech world start and stop the story with the technology. They'll say, well, Aparo came alongside, you know, this, this nonprofit called A Better World, and they had, you know, slim staff, and they were really backed up with their casework, um, but they didn't have a CRM to track all the people who were feeding into each young student's um, lives. And, you know, they were tracking it with Excel charts or clipboards where people were writing handwritten, you know, I talked to Rosie today, and, you know, she says she's struggling with math. And. So when we can infuse technology into the staff and, and leadership at A Better World, and they can automate some things, they can free up time for that staff to actually sit down with Rosie and ask her about her day and help her with her math homework. And they're not so caught up with all the, the, the bookkeeping and the, um, you know, the, the paper trail because they've found a great tech tool that can keep all of her history in one place and let her social worker and her teacher and her soccer coach and, you know, the after school counselors at a better world um, be able to access that. And like, oh, Rosie hasn't been eating snack lately. And, you know, what's going on? Let's, let's make sure that we have, you know, nutrition counseling going on. So I, I like to sort of pull away from the tech tool and the tech um, challenge and tech solution and talk about Rosie and, you know, just try to remind people like, what would it be like if you were eight years old and you got off the school bus at a hotel because your mom had just left a domestic violence situation and she was living in a hotel and you were living in a hotel for the next three months until something else could be arranged. And there was no snack up in the hotel room and nobody to help you with your homework because mom's working, nobody to play with. You know, so imagine how Rosie's life gets better when a company or an organization like A Better Way, A Better World, I'm sorry, they're called A Better World, and they serve students on the west side of Charlotte, um, when they get to work their magic and make Rosie's life better. And then think of Aparo behind the scenes as empowering and leveraging a better world so they can do more good in the world. Well, that, there's no doubt that that's strong and, and you know, I guess um, anytime you get kids involved too, it's a whole different mindset that we take on. So great, great summary. I love how you, you put a bow on that little story um, because it's, it happens every day, you know, as we know across the country, across our, our County and across our, our little baby communities. So um, first of all, as, as we're, we're, climbing on the hour here. I got to get out of here shortly, but I just wanted to say thank you for telling us about Aparo. Uh, it's uh, Aparo.org, right? O-R-G? It is. It's A-P-P-A-R-O.org. And I'd love to just close with, with one final thought that, 
you helped me get my brain around this when we were first talking, Greg. I, I asked you what brought you to Aparo and what was the reason you continued to support it. And, you know, there's I've interviewed a lot of people with those same questions and the same three answers come up again and again. Um, but I'll just share them, share them here because I think they put a nice bow on kind of what what you taught me about what made your heart gravitate towards Aparo. Um, the number one reason people like this organization and support it with their funds, with their time, and with their talent is they like that it's well run. It's been around for 18 years. It's efficient and effective. And because we've got such deep experience in this space, we know that a one-size-fits-all solution isn't right to just plug and play. Every nonprofit uses this same piece of tech. We really listen and we really learn what their staff has the capability of, of affording and learning and, and implementing. So people choose Aparo again and again because it's well run. But number two, they choose Aparo because we help the cause they care about. And what I mean by that is if they're into animals or the environment, boom, we work with nonprofits that deliver on those missions. If health concerns and, and funding for cancer research is top of their list, we've got programs for the homeless and the hungry and the you know women learning technology, all of those programs we can help you connect with because Aparo touches over 600 nonprofits throughout the Charlotte region. And then the third and final reason, and this is what you brought to light for me, Greg, Aparo amplifies your gifts through technology. So if you give a dollar, we can turn it into $100 just by the sheer scale of some of the solutions we can put into place for these nonprofits that doesn't just save them, a, you know, a hundred hours this year, but ongoing for their staff time. And then we can also take an hour of volunteer work and make it as if you've just poured in, you know, a hundred hours of volunteer time because these changes are sustainable. You don't just say, oh, here's an app that'll solve your problems and then leave the nonprofit alone. We make sure that their staff is trained on it, their, their clients are trained on it, and that it sticks around and becomes a resilient um, sustainable solution that will serve them for years to come. Well, well said. And, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, anytime that you can give money or effort or whatever, it's got to be bigger than the tax deduction. You know, I mean, like, sure, everybody wants to, you know, pay as little tax as they can or their fair share or whatever your personal taste is. But, for me, it's got to be a little bit deeper than just getting a deduction. And you you guys over there certainly do it. And you do that through the continual cultivation of these relationships. And it shows 18 years, well run, little turnover. So congrats on that. Tyler, this was a good one, buddy. This was a great one. And uh, I've I've enjoyed every aspect of it. I've enjoyed the conversation. I've enjoyed getting to learn more about Aparo and Adrian. And so Adrian Craighead, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Well, Greg, another awesome episode in the books. Anything you want to say before we uh, wrap this one up, buddy? No, I mean, it just makes me think so deeply, mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of scary to me um, <laughs> when I start doing that. But, you know, there, there's so much out there. Adrian just said, that Aparo, and this is not a paid endorsement for an Aparo. It's just the fact that they're good at what they do. And she said they touch over 600 nonprofits just in the freaking Charlotte area. So that's strong, man. That is strong. So um, 
Thank you, Adrian. Uh, I love the fact that you actually prepped. I love the fact that you won the world championship for saying <laughs> trust the fastest. And uh, that is so good. There had to be some other record set the day, Tyler. Maybe the most, um, I don't know. Definitely most, the most Stephen Wright references. Stephen Wright and no construction at my house right now. So I think we got a record. I think, we have uh, a winner on all fronts. Well, the, one thing before I let you get away, Greg, is I've always like learned to, um, as we wrap up, you know, a meeting or a conversation, to say, "All right, so when can we talk again? Is this an appropriate time to maybe snag a spot on your calendar for March?" Oh my God, are we still recording? Okay, we'll talk. Yes. We'll, talk after, <laughs> we'll talk after the recording. Yeah, you're so. you're okay. on you're on record now, Greg. So. Gosh, Not much we can see, do about I'm trying, that. I'm I'm dodging the, I'm dodging this thing like Batman. <laughs> these bullets keep coming. Well, let's yeah, we'll, then let's wrap we'll, up this episode so you don't get in any more trouble before yeah, we uh, okay. yeah. take, take us take us to the house, boy. Well, everyone, make sure you subscribe to get more episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or go to gregcrumpton.com. All of those places have these episodes. You can listen to previous episodes and stay aware of upcoming episodes but until we are back with another episode i've been your host today tyler kern for greg crumpton we'll talk again soon